On today's episode, we have a special guest, my husband. Hi, everybody. I'm Zach. And today, we're going to talk about the Louisville, Texas honor killings, which, fun fact, we're from Louisville. We lived in Louisville when we were growing up. Yeah, um, I was going to say, I moved into the Louisville area around 2001, and I moved there in 2005. Yeah. So today, Yasser Saeed was born in Sinai, Egypt on January 27th, 1957. At the age of 26, Yasser came to the United States on a student visa. In February of 1987, Yasser married Patricia Owens. Now, in one source I found, she married him at the age of 15. And in another, she married him at 16. And here's the fun part. At this point, Yasser is 30 years old, which is our first red flag. This just shows that Yasser is sexually pursuing a girl, and he's very likely a pedophile. Correct. Yasser met her while working at a convenience store in Tarrant County. And according to Patricia, she didn't marry Yasser because she loved him. She only married him because she wanted to get out of her parents' house. This is red flag number two, because this likely indicates that Patricia came from a broken home or suffered some sort of abuse herself. Patricia and Yasser had their first child, a son, Islam, born in 1987. Then came the girls, Amina, who was born in 1989, and Sarah, who was born in 1990. Now, I have read in other articles that Yasser had a daughter with an unidentified woman who was born in 1987... But I can't quite confirm that. Yasser ended up becoming a permanent resident of the United States, and he eventually gained his citizenship in 1997. Now we're going to move on to where the abuse started. So the abuse started in October of 1998 when Amina and Sarah were eight and nine years old. They accused their father of sexual abuse. It was reported to Hill County Sheriff's Office where the girls stated that their father had been touching them inappropriately. There was at least one account where Amina had been penetrated. And now we've confirmed Yasser's a pedophile. There's no other way around that. Please don't ever touch our daughter that way because I'm pretty sure what happened to them is going to happen to you. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Got I'm it? I'm not interested. Good? Okay, great. In January of 1999, the charges were dropped after the girls told authorities that they had lied about the allegations only because they didn't want to attend a rural Covington school and instead wanted to go live with their grandmother. Uh, yeah. If, if my grandma doesn't touch me inappropriately, I'd rather live with her too. Yeah, me too. So on several occasions, Amina had come to school with bruises and once had a split lip. She did confide in a friend that her father had kicked her in the face and that her mother did not allow her to seek medical attention because the family feared that her father would be taken to jail. And... Yeah, yeah, he would be taken to jail. Your father kicked you in the face. Yeah, that's just, I mean, that's, you, you can't beat your kids. Just, just don't. So Yasser would often spy on his daughters by video and audiotaping them without their knowledge. Amina mentioned several times that she was afraid to use her phone because she believed her father could get in everywhere and that he knew everything. Emails found later that were written by Amina said that her father had intended on killing her. This level of fear is never healthy. You can't 
raise your kids just to be so abjectly afraid of you. There's there's no love in that sort of situation. When Amina was 16, Yasser took her to Egypt for an arranged marriage to a much older friend of his. But as you would do, she rejected it. So after the Egypt trip, Amina began dating a boy that she met at a taekwondo class named Joseph Marino. Amina did feel a little anxious about meeting Marino because she felt that her father was watching her with binoculars. She would tell Marino not to call or text her if she sent a code word because she was afraid that her father could access her phone. I think this is a very likely thing. If he's that controlling, he probably is checking their phones at least weekly. Probably. So Yasser discovered a note that Amina had actually written to Marino, but she ended up lying and telling him that she had wrote these to an imaginary boyfriend. Yasser did not trust her, and he continued his search to try and uncover Amina's relationship. So now we're going to move on to Sarah, and I yeah. really couldn't find a lot of information about her and the abuse that she got from him. She probably wanted to keep it more quiet. Amina just sounds like she was more open about the unfortunate things and that happened to her yeah so it says that sarah states in an article that when she got an after-school job working in a convenience store her father began to videotape her at work and would punish her for smiling too much at customers because probably from his point of view as a very strict muslim she was flirting with all the customers that she was smiling at which just isn't okay guys so oh. we, can, we can't have that. Never okay to smile at customers. My bad. Sorry. Right. And then, I mean, this is very, I find this kind of interesting because this is similar to the first job, after school job that I ever had because I worked at the Albertsons, which is just a big grocery store right across the street from Louisville High School. And fun fact, I also worked at an Albertsons as my first job, but it was a different one in a different town, a little bit away from where Zach worked. She wouldn't share her address with friends in fear that her father might do or say something if they came by the house. Now, here's a name that I'm going to pronounce, and I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong, but we're going to try anyways. So, Zohair Zadi, who was a devout Muslim, was a friend that Sarah had turned to in her quest to become more religious. Still, Sarah knew her father would disapprove of their relationship because Zohair is male. She kept his number in her phone under a female name so that her father wouldn't suspect anything. Very smart. So smart. This girl's got it going on. You betcha. Uh, according to public records, Yasser moved his family all around North Texas. From Garland, Duncanville, Bedford, Hearst, Grand Prairie, Arlington, Euless, and then finally to Louisville. It does state in the Dallas Morning News that the reason Yasser moved his family to Louisville was to try and break up Amina and her boyfriend. But that only prompted Amina to make plans to run away with Marino, get married, and start a new life. Now, I believe the girls are probably about 15, 16, um, maybe? Yeah, at this point, yeah, they're probably 15, 16. And we don't know exactly how old Marino is. No, we don't, but he seems completely innocent in this. I mean, I, I can't blame him. If I knew that, like, if Hannah had been my girlfriend at the time, it would have been, well, your dad is sexually abusing you and he's beating you regularly? Yeah, let me do whatever I can to get you out of that situation. Oh, yeah. 
So Marino dropped out of high school in order to get a job, save money, and to help her leave. Marino later told investigators that Yasser regularly threatened to kill Amina and she knew that he meant it. She was worried that her father would kill Marino, so she refused to give her father his name during one of the regular beatings that she received. Regular? That's horrible. Yeah, I mean, but it also shows how strong of a character that Amina must have had because she was able to just, you know, basically be tortured and not give up information. The friends state that the girls did suffer quietly through the abuse from their father. The girls had told a friend that Yasser installed spyware software on the home computer and was considering tapping the phone lines. Now, another friend at school, a senior at Louisville High School, accounts on one instance when Amina told him that her father walked into her room with a gun, waving it around. She said, he was sending me a message. You do what I say or I'm going to do something to you. Now, please don't walk into our daughter's room with a gun and just wave it around all willy-nilly. No, that's not going to happen. It's just, I'm just going to do the old school cleaning the gun whenever her first boyfriend boyfriend comes over to the house. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Now, Amina had been awarded a $20,000 scholarship for college, but she wanted to keep that a secret from her father. Embry, when you can listen to this, if you ever get a $20,000 scholarship to go to school, just let me know. I'll be really proud of you. Yes, we will. Do it, girl. Do it. Now, Sarah had always dreamed of a job in the medical profession. And their Aunt Jean told Dallas Morning News that school was everything to them. It was their only way out. They were very active in sports, and that's what made them happy. Makes sense. So here goes another name I'm going to butcher horribly. Masood Nasir, the owner of a King Cab, which we forgot to tell you at the beginning that Yasser was a taxi cab driver. He described Yasser as a good father and a decent man. Apparently, this guy did not know this man at all whatsoever. He didn't didn't know Yasser very well. I mean, Yasser probably could have pretended to be a decent man, but how he would have ever... He got all of his information about Yasser from Yasser. That's the only explanation. Has to be. Has to be. So he explained that Muslim children who were born in the United States and or spend most of their lives here are caught between a rock and a hard place. They want to do what their parents want, but they also want to follow their friends. I mean, doesn't every teenager want to do what their friends are doing, but kind of also want to, like, make their parents happy? Yeah, weird that they wanted to be just popular enough to have friends. I mean, how terrible. Also weird that they want to be teenagers. So they want to do what their parents want, but they want to follow their friends. And he called it a clashing culture. The kids were born here, and part of their blood is Muslim, and part of their blood is Christian, and they were just caught in between. It's a very difficult situation because we don't know how religious uh, Patricia was, but obviously, like we've said before, Yasser's a very strict Muslim. Very strict and devout Muslim. And that doesn't leave a lot of... There's no wiggle room there. No wiggle room. Now, by December of 2007, both of the girls were dating and were afraid because their father had found out about one of the boyfriends. So, on Christmas Day, the girls and their mom fled the state with their boyfriends, stopping at a relative's house in Kansas, and then went on to rent an apartment under an assumed name in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That led Yasser to file a missing persons report 
with the Louisville Police Department on December 26th. Well, Patricia ended up calling the Louisville Police Department on December 27th to tell them that his daughters were actually safe. The police report reads, Patricia stated that she was not going to call back and she was in great fear of her life. She said she was very fearful of her husband harming her and or her daughters, which is the reason that she left. Patricia further advised that she and her daughters were fine and were going to continue to hide from her husband. Patricia told a relative later on that since they were Muslim, that their daughters were only allowed to date other Muslims. So when Yasser found out that the girls were dating non-Muslims, he became very angry, threatened them with bodily harm. This concerned Patricia, and that's why she decided to leave her husband and go into hiding. You wouldn't want to stay with somebody that's trying to kill or hurt your own children. Like, I would do anything that I could to protect my daughter. I do not understand whatsoever where Yasser is coming from. It's, we're religious, we're Christians, we're very active in our church, but... I can't imagine there ever being anything that would come up doctrinally that would convince me to kill my own child. Yeah, after becoming a parent, I don't see how anyone could ever do anything harmful to their children. I love my child with everything I have, and I don't see how anybody could just hurt their child and not feel bad about it. And this is where it gets bad. Now, uh, it's New Year's Eve of 2007. Patricia and her daughters return to Louisville, because Patricia told the girls that they were returning to put flowers on her mother's grave, which are the girl's grandmother. But Patricia later told the girls that their father had actually forgiven them for dating non-Muslim boys and that he wanted to return home. And Patricia agreed. But the girls were reluctant at first, but unfortunately they went back to him. Yeah, sure. He completely forgave them and everything was fine. Now it's January 1st of 2008, and Yasser wants to take the girls out to dinner, but doesn't want Patricia to go with him. Now that's another red flag. Why would you not want your wife and your daughter's mother to go to dinner with you? Well, especially because at this point, Patricia's been gone as long as his children. So, I mean, if you're having a reunion dinner with your daughter's, why wouldn't you want to have the reunion dinner with your wife at the same time? It's just very suspicious. Yasser took the girls to his cab, kissed them, and they went on to dinner. But they actually didn't. Yasser ended up driving the girls to Irving, where he allegedly shot both the girls in the taxi cab. It states that Amina died instantly while Sarah managed to call 911. And the 911 call reads, Help, my dad shot me. I'm dying. I'm dying. I just, I don't understand. I, again, it's just how, how do you shoot your own children? It's beyond comprehension for me. And I wonder what the 911 operator was feeling when all of a sudden a young girl comes on the phone screaming that she's been shot, that her father has shot her. Right. The taxi cab was then discovered soon after the murders by another taxi cab driver outside of the service entrance of the Omni Mandali Hotel, which is now known as the Omni Las Colinas Hotel. After the murders, Yasser disappeared. And while he was believed to have fled back to Egypt, where he was born and lived until he was 26, there was no such record that I could find. There would be a paper trail on that, just because he'd have to have an active passport, and that that gets 
scanned on both sides. Correct. So a capital murder multiple warrant was issued for Yasser on January 2nd, 2008. So one day after the murders of his children. Which, good on Texas. <laughs> now, on August 21st of 2008, a federal unlawful flight to avoid prosecution warrant was also issued by the United States court. So now at this point, for anyone going along, so the capital murder warrant comes from the state and the federal warrant is coming from the is coming from the United States government. So at this point, he has Texas and the U.S. federal government looking for him. He's in a whole lot of trouble. So now that was in 2008, and let's fast forward to 2009. Patricia has filed for divorce. At one time, she did fear that he would return and that he would kill her. And she states that if she did see him, that she would call the authorities and then ask why and how someone could murder the daughters. Hopefully he has an answer to this. Because that's a great question. You would assume that he would have an answer to why he killed his children and not just be like, oh, I felt like it. Right. <laughs> so, long after the murder, Patricia continued to be haunted by the deaths of her daughters. She commented, that was the day I lost my whole family and my life as I knew it was gone forever. The nah. murderer was my husband and those girls were my beautiful, brilliant, and talented daughters. Now, as far as we can tell, we found through the research that there's some speculation that she may have accidentally lured her daughters to their death. We are 110% on Patricia's side here. We honestly don't think she intentionally did anything. So now Yasser has been on the run for several years. Now it's uh, December of 2014, and Yasser has been placed on the FBI's 10 most wanted list as the 504th person to ever be put on this list. And there is now an award of up to $100,000 for any information leading to his arrest. This is where the feds looking for him gets really serious because when the FBI puts you on that list, that means that they are seriously looking for you. Like, that, that list is no joke. Okay, great. Out of everybody that we're looking for, we will drop a case and put resources towards this if we get any information. Now, there was a break in the case in August of 2017 when a maintenance worker at an apartment complex, now get this, owned by Yasser's son, Islam, had reported seeing a man that matched Yasser's description. So Yasser's oldest son, remember back, back at the beginning when we talked about he had a son, didn't really talk about him anymore. Well, now the son owns this apartment complex, and the maintenance worker thinks that he sees Yasser at this apartment complex. Which, huge mistake. Why would you go to an apartment complex owned by your own child when you killed your other two children? Why? Just, Just go anywhere else. Go hide somewhere else. People you don't know. So, detectives showed the picture to the maintenance worker, and the worker identified him as the man that he did see. They put out a search warrant. And they went to the apartment, but it was empty. Now, what that sounds like to me is most likely the maintenance guy probably talked to Islam. It's like, hey, uh, the cops have been talking to me. And I kind of, you know, told them that I saw a guy that looks like your dad. So So you might want to run away. (laughs) (laughs) Might want to get him out of here. Might want to get him out of here. Now, I couldn't find anything for at least three more years. There was no mention of anything that was happening until 
just a month ago, August month of ago, 2020, yeah. police began to do a 24-ounce surveillance on a home in Justin, Texas, which was purchased by the daughter of Yasser's brother, Yassin. So this is Yasser's niece. So they observed Islam and Yassin entering and exiting the, the home and noticed that there was a shadow of another person inside that would never leave. On August 26th of 2020, the SWAT agents of the FBI's Dallas field office captured Yasser in the home located in Justin, Texas. And on the same day, they also arrested Yasser's son Islam and his brother Yassin. So his son and his brother were both charged with concealing a person from arrest, which, duh, yeah, you hid your dad and your brother, of course you're going to get arrested for Who's- it. At this point, wanted by the state and the federal government. And by the way, God forbid you ever commit a crime of this magnitude. If you're on the run, you need to figure out how to make new friends. You don't go to your known accomplices. You don't go to your family. All that's going to do is get you caught faster. And anybody helping you is also going to face time. Authorities suspect... That other people did help Yasser evade arrest over the years, but no one else has been arrested in connection with it up to what's today? September 26th? Saturday? September 26th. Can't find anything else. But if Islam and Yasin are convicted, they could face up to five years in federal prison. So you want to waste five years of your life because you decided to help your dad and your brother escape the feds because your dad and brother killed his kids so you just wasted five years if you get convicted yeah and while i understand it would be a very difficult situation i don't know what i would do if my brother called me up and said hey killed my kid and i'm on the run i would be like okay bye. okay we never had this conversation <laughs> good luck where are you because like i'm gonna call the cops yeah no that's probably true i guess i wouldn't conceal the conversation i no, would just immediately would yeah yeah they're probably tapping your phones because you're his brother <laughs> yasser did get indicted by the state of texas on capital murder charges and he does face the death penalty and i haven't seen a sentencing come out yet Right. Just in case anyone was wondering, Texas is one of those states that operates with, oh, you killed somebody? Great. We're going to kill you back. Go ahead. Go ahead. He deserves it. 100% deserves it. He deserves it. Now, like we said before, there was speculation that Patricia might have lured her daughters to their death. One cannot deny how heartbroken the mother has been over this loss, but hopefully with Yasser facing the consequences of his actions, Patricia will be able to start moving on with her life. Right, because I can only imagine at this point, so what, so it's 2020, so this murder happened 12 years ago now. 13, almost 13 years ago? Almost 13 years ago now. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure at this point, Patricia's been looking over her shoulder for the last 12 years. It's got to be, unfortunately, a huge weight off of her shoulders. That he's been caught, and she doesn't have to worry about it anymore. All right, that was the murder of Sarah and Amina Saeed. We hope that you have enjoyed this episode, and if you want to get notifications when I upload new episodes, be sure to follow us on social media. And right now, we're on Spotify. Anywhere else? Spotify, Anchor, and I don't remember the other one. I think it's Pocket Cash or something, maybe? Pocket Cast? Pocket Cast, maybe? I'm not sure. But we'll well, share it on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. 
Right, and obviously we're going to try to get to as many platforms as possible. Ideally, we'd love to get to uh, Apple Podcasts because that one oh, has I, a huge listener base. I did get a notification that we are on Google Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts, so you can you okay. can find us on Google Podcasts as well. But like I said, I will announce when we have gotten to more platforms on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we're gonna I'm gonna try and get at least an episode weekly. And sometimes Zach will join me. Sometimes I might have another friend join me. But for the most part, it will probably just be me for a while. Right. And the episodes will probably be anywhere from 10 to a, ten minutes to a half an hour. Yeah. And once I get maybe a little bit better at this, since I am a little new, we might have the episodes be a little bit longer because we'll be talking more and more. Right. We'll get our... We'll, we'll get our, our podcast legs under us, if you will, yeah. and figure, figure this out. We'll figure it out. But, like we said, thanks for joining us. Yes. And this is Murder Bucket.